is going on, everybody? Welcome to Whiskey Web and Whatnot, your favorite show about whiskey, web, and whatnot, with your hosts, Robbie Wagner and Chuck Carpenter. Oh, what's going on, Chuck? What is going on? Who is that? Forget sometimes. Yeah, we're gonna have to just get more used to going back and forth on the names because that's true. It's probably getting annoying to people starting an episode and being like, "This is Charles William Carpenter the Third." Even though it is fun to do. <laughs> yeah, it is fun to do. But even though most people don't know me as that. And so they're like, who am I listening to? Yeah. Chuck told me to listen to this, but this weird guy, Charles William Carpenter III, is on here. I don't know who that is. He's got a really bad radio voice. <laughs> on to another note. Let's, uh, as you announced with the show, we are going to talk about whiskey. We're going to talk about web things, web technologies. And uh, we're going to talk about some whatnot. Yeah. Big time whatnot. You know, like. What cars are you trying to buy now? You never seem to be happy with one. What TV shows have we started? What my, my only sports obsession has begun and the, how that is devolving the rest of my life. But we'll get to those things later. Hold on. Okay. We were going to plug the NFT at the end, but let's do both. Let's talk about it now and then because just if someone doesn't listen to the whole thing. If they drop off. Here it is. All right. We've got an NFT. It was going to have a fancy launch date. We were going to do it all legit. We fucked that up. That's not how we roll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so instead of doing legit, having a release and, you know, having hype and build up or whatever, it is just released right now. So as soon as you're hearing this, it will be out. There will probably be some ads on some other episodes mentioning it, too. So you'll probably know about it before this episode. But this is when we're talking about it. It is at bitski, B-I-T-S-K-I dot com slash ship shape code. All one word. So... Go there. You can see the four tiers. There are descriptions of what each of them are, which honestly, I kind of forget. But uh, the gist is there's a diamond one that is super fancy and you get like a few bottles of whiskey. You get like access to all of our whiskey collection, maybe dinner with us, be on the podcast, kind of, you know, VIP experience to the whiskey web and whatnot. Swag collection. Yes. This whole collection, it doesn't say on Bitski because I must have messed that up somehow, but it's the W3WC, the Whiskey Web and Whatnot Whiskey Club, a play on W3C, which is we thought was clever. Mm -hmm. Then there's more tiers. There's a gold tier, which gives you just the barrel picks we do. We'll ship them to you. We'll get, give you some swag, etc. The silver tier gets the, just the swag and uh, the bronze that's the last one the bronze tier gets uh access to discord it's more of a supporter level like you like what we're doing you know show us that you like it and we'll t chat with you in discord about various things let you know about some of the upcoming guests and other uh whiskey picks and, and things like that it's a ascending system so everyone every tier gets the discord access and like everything in bronze you get in silver everything in silver you get in gold etc up the chain so yeah everyone can join us in discord you we won't be inviting anyone that doesn't have an nft to the discord so that is your ticket in and hope to see you all there yeah we'll see who's interested yeah how many people are interested in the whiskey component Kind of what we're, and we have all these bottles and we want to share them. Yeah. So who's interested? The boxes behind Chuck are full of whiskey. Yeah. In case they happen to use my video for the promotional <laughs> video portion that you'll see on your LinkedIn feeds. Yeah. Yeah. That's all whiskey. That same barrel pick that we did. Well, if I had just worn the same hat as you and turned it backwards, they could have used either video. It wouldn't matter. We're the same here. <laughs> yeah. 
That's our uniform podcast uniform from now on. Yeah. Is this. All right. Tell us about the whiskey. All right, folks. Thanks for joining. Today we're having the Starlight Distillery Single Barrel Hubbers Original Rick House of Indiana Straight Rye Whiskey. Interesting for this particular rye because it is 90% rye, which apparently they farm as well. That's what it kind of says. It's from their farm. 90% rye, 10% malted barley. And they uh, let it, let's see, distilled in their own copper pot stills. I was a little concerned given that it's Indiana hmm. that they might be sourcing, but it sounds like they're sort of, uh, yeah, their own distillate. Yeah. If they're farming the grains, they're probably making it themselves. Yeah. And it is aged for a minimum of four years in new 53 gallon charred American oak barrels. So very bourbon like in that sense. And it's 109 proof. So mm, weak, like it's got a little something. <laughs> yeah, that's not how we roll now. And we're 130 plus or nothing. Yeah, like 131. And then the previous one was like 127 or something. Mm. So this should be smooth and watery. <laughs> smooth and watery. That's how we talk about whiskey here. All right. Mm. Let's get some smells. A little floral for me. Yep. I smell a hint of banana peel. Mm. See, I was going to say orange rind. No, I think it's a little less uh, less tangy. No one's wrong, just so you know. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to influence your uh, your fruit choice here. Yeah, we'll see once I get in there and give it a taste if I... Mm. 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 Yeah, you're... I also say... Mm. Yeah, it's got some heat on the back, for sure. Yeah. It's a little pepper, a little heat there. Mm-hmm. Feeling that. The smoothness is lacking. That might have been my... Uh, heartburn this morning too it really warms me up for this nice i still feel like a little a little citrus in the initial palate feeling that floral feeling that spice a little little leatherness yeah there's definitely some of that new shoes component yeah this is not a a cleaned old leather shoe this is a new patent leather shoe i'm gonna say Mm. yeah yeah slick leather like it's crisp and and hip the kids would like it (laughs) But how much do you like it? Yeah, I think it's okay. It's certainly better than the two we had recently. Yeah. I feel, I don't know if it's just because we've had some really strong ones the past few, but I'm I'm kind of lacking a little flavor. Yeah. The flavor is quick and then it dissipates yeah. pretty fast as it's like going down. And that's why I'm only getting like maybe a little of that leatherness yeah. as it goes down. It's kind of like the equivalent in whiskey of like a hint water. Where you like drink it and you're like, oh, that does have blackberry. But you wouldn't really know unless you thought about it. Like mm. the flavor quickly goes away. So it is um, the flavor when it's there is very good, I would say. So yeah, I'm going to give it a five. I think the, the flavor is good. But yeah, I would want it to have a little more hit or something to it. Yeah, because it's noted that this is not only their regular offering, but this is actually a barrel pick mm. by the folks at Sealbox who no longer ship to you. So we've had this a little while in the... In the waiting. Yep. And so if this is like a special pick and this is what it tastes like, eh, yeah, for a rye, it's, um, it's kind of lacking a little punch aside from the burn. Yeah. Agreed. So yeah, five, it's not bad. So I don't know. I might even go four. <laughs> Actually for me, I'm going to go four. Not sponsored by Starlight. <laughs> not bad, but also not outstanding in any way it's like it's fine i guess this would like do well in a cocktail it would do well in a cocktail too i guess four is middle of the road mm-hmm. i kind of forget that our uh our scale is only out of eight yeah sometimes yeah four in the middle and i'd give this a fine middle yeah it's drinkable yeah 
not bad, but it right. lacks like for me to go back to it. So we'll average it four and a half. Okay. That's yeah, not terrible. You know, if you had a good price on it, pick it up. But if not, maybe get something else. Yeah. Sponsored by Sagamore Rye. <laughs> what? Yeah. That shit's always good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny how when I introduce people to Sagamore the first time and everybody's kind of skeptical and they're like a nice looking bottle, but I don't know, 40 bucks out of Baltimore. What's this going to be? And they're like, that is tasty. Mm-hmm. But I would do that again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know how they do it because I know they outsourced a lot of it. I think they're doing more of it in house now, but like, I'm sure they started with, we got to have a really cool bottle and that helped me want to buy it. And then, yeah, they've, they've just been killing it on the the product. Yeah. Do we even know what their mash bill is? I don't know, but they just, they're unique for rye, but then they're uniquely delicious every time too. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very high rye, but I have no, I mean, they're different based on the one you get, I think. Well, yes. Cause I, when we were doing the barrel pick, they were like, they do some high rye and some like medium rye and they like mix them to like get the end result or something. So they do some mixing and like, there's some science there. Yeah. And they had a, a port finish one and a couple others too before. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, whiskey. Cool. So, so it's all right. Moving on up. Have you heard of JavaScript? No, you can't say that word unless you pay Oracle $5. Did you know that, right? Well, I know that they own the the copyright, but I think it's it's kind of a moot point at this point. Like yeah. Gerber, I think, owns like onesie. But like people call ones everything that's a onesie a onesie. So it's like huh. it's one of those things where it's become so ubiquitous. It's like it doesn't matter if you own the name, people are going to use it. Yeah. Kind of like Hoover used to be synonymous with vacuum. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to Hoover it. Yeah. It's a verb. Yeah. Yeah. And then they gave everyone uh, plane trips and like went bankrupt. Yeah. <laughs> Did you read about that? No, no. Oh. But it sounds like a very Mad Men kind of thing. I forget the details and we'll have to look it up for a whatnot later. But the gist of it was like they did too good of a plane deal to where they were losing money. And a lot of people took them up on it and then they lost a bunch of money. Mm. But we'll look up the details for a fun story for another time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Funny. All right. So JavaScript. Yeah. Let's talk yeah. about this thing. This like crazy language that we make a bunch of things all over the place now on. Mm-hmm. Used to be just in the browser. Now it's everywhere. So, yeah, I mean, it's really crazy that it was kind of built to fix things that browsers couldn't support while the browser vendors would implement them. And people just said, nah, I'm going to use this to implement really crazy stuff. Um, so that's, that's why we all have jobs and make money. So I'm not not upset about it. But um, that's just a, an example of like, you never know what's going to happen with the thing you create, I guess. Mm, yes. So what, what things do you want to tell us about this thing? Yeah, so um, for anyone who m- might happen upon this and not know anything about JavaScript, it has some like basic types, you know, like a number, a string, an object, an array, booleans. Uh, am I missing anything there? There's not a ton of like base types. Right, number, string, array, boolean. Seems, uh, no, that seems like it yeah. covers it. Yeah. Yeah, so for a long time... And even still now, I guess, um, like even myself included, I'll use objects a lot of the times if there's, you know, a, a logical structure of it's kind of like a model or something, you know, mm-hmm. you have a cheeseburger and it has like properties of like amount cooked, like doneness, bun type or like, you know, things you might describe a cheeseburger with. Whereas like an array, 
is kind of more free form. You don't have key value. It's just like throw whatever you want in this list. So a list of whatever, like a, a to-do list or a shopping cart might have just like item random items in it or something, you know, where you don't care as much about the iterating key value type of style. So, you know, we've been using these things for years and I don't know when Map and Set came out. Were they part of like ES 2015 or ES 6 or have they been a long, around that long? I think more of a, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I think they were like an ES 6 thing. And then when they started changing it to like the year release, it might have been around 2015 or so. Yeah. Okay. So feels right. So yeah, these are basically things that I think haven't been pushed that hard in the community or like you don't see them a ton for some reason, but they actually have a lot of cool features. So this is kind of just a public service announcement of, hey, check out map and set. So we're going to tell you a little bit about how they're different. So a map is like similar to an object in that it has key value pairs and you can use it to represent whatever kind of data would work in that. The difference is an object requires all of your keys to be strings and a map can be anything, which I don't really know the use case behind that, like making a key a function, but um, it can be. So I guess <laughs> that would also give you like, if you had a something that was setting values in it and it was like totally wrong and had a reference to a function, it would still work because it doesn't care what the key is. So it does that. It has, um, it, it's nice to iterate through because you can just put it in a for of loop and you automatically get like an array with two items of the key and the value. So a lot of times you would do this with an object and you would need to do like object.entries to get that info and then destructure it out. And then you could like iterate through that or like, you know, things of that nature. So this just kind of takes a little one step out of that. The order is guaranteed, which is cool. Yeah, I think that's like one of the key features of it mm -hmm. order matters yeah can't get messed up yes yeah people may not realize that about objects that uh they most browsers are pretty good about it these days as you insert things into the object so if you have an empty object and you go at a i want foo at b i want bar whatever those would be ordered a b always is kind of the thought from the developer but the browsers until recently had not done that so you would occasionally get like if you had the right sequence of things happens, it would be like reversed. Or if you had a big list of things, it could be in all kinds of orders. So there was no way to guaranteed iterate through that object and get the order right, which made you, uh, you know, have to do something like arrays have always been order guarantees. You would maybe have to switch your data structure to an array and, and do things that way or something. But that's super nice that it, it orders it for you. You can always make sure that's there. And then, yeah, the, the thing that I don't know the right technical speak to uh quite go into what this <laughs> is talking about but like the keys on the object could be this weird stuff where like if you had a prototype extension kind of thing or like a you were extending from some other object type or things that you may not have been setting on that object yourself might be kind of hanging around and then you would have to do like object.hasown property to look and see what the actual properties on the object were not the stuff like metadata and stuff hanging around. You mean like from an inheritance perspective, right? If you were like yeah. adjusting the prototype and it was getting inherited from other objects, maybe further up the tree, the way to clean that up is drop it in a map maybe or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, 
I can't think of a good example. Like, I don't know enough about when this happens or why, but there have been times, maybe it's from Ember objects or like things that have a complicated inheritance model that would have like crap you didn't put on there. And you're like, I don't know what this Mm. stuff is or whatever. There's just stuff that would hang around on objects. Even just vanilla Pojos, I think, would sometimes have weird stuff on them. So this gets rid of all that. So if you're iterating through the keys, you know for sure you don't have to check, did I put this key on there? Because you did. It's the ones that you put on there. So that's kind of nice. And it has an easy way to determine the size. So if you put 25 key value pairs in and you want to know you had 25, there's no like dot length on an object. So you would have to do like object entries dot length or or something. And this, you know, just has size. You just go dot size, give me the size. So nothing that's like super, super crazy groundbreaking necessarily, but a lot of nice quality of life improvements, I would say. And there you go. How to make your objects better. Mm -hmm. That's your blog post. Mm -hmm. How to make your objects friendly. Well, are your pojos too plain? Mm -hmm. Could be that. Make them sojos. (laughs) Make them special. (laughs) Get your mojo rising. Whoa. I don't know. That's a Doors lyric. Oh, Mr. Mojo rising. You know? Okay. Well, you won't get me singing anymore if you don't. So do you want to tell us about sets or do you want me to continue my lecture that no one cares about? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, professor, can you, uh, take it down a notch? Hold on here. I need to get the little list though, because cheat sheets. I got my, my elbow pads. Right. Perfect. (laughs) So sets array versus set. So what are the differences there? Well, we get to find items faster in a set. Yeah. So you get some really nice, like instead of like trying to determine an index and then see if it exists at particular index or I don't know, includes is pretty decent, but. Well, so in the MDN docs, there's a, a thing that talks about this and it says that it is faster than array includes. It's guaranteed. I forget what the, the big O that they mentioned is, but it's like, it's guaranteed to be like a, in login search or whatever. Okay, perfect. So when the browser implementers implement it, they're required to do more than just loop straight through and find the thing. They've got to have some kind of smart data structure. Yeah, because find is slow and crappy like Mm -hmm. that because, yeah, you're throwing in the function for the iterative rather than just finding it in in the set. Right. What I like about them are the, it's a easy filter for unique items. Mm-hmm. That's usually why I've always, I've used it, not always used it, obviously, but like in a time where I know I have an array that I need it to be completely unique, which is also a nice thing for like nullables and stuff too. Mm-hmm. Now, this thing that you have here <laughs> is interesting and it's not a reason why anybody would actually ever use yeah. it, I don't think, but uh, not a number is considered equal to not a number, even though not a number yeah, <laughs> is not equal. Deep equals uh, is not deep equals to not a number. Yeah. Right. In a real comparison. If you put that in your console, all of you right now, try not a number, not equal, equal, not a number. And it will give it'll say if you say equal, sorry, not the not, it'll say false. Even though you typed the same thing on both sides, it's like these are not equal. Yeah, I couldn't tell you why. JavaScript has some weird stuff, but I just thought that was funny that in a set they are equal. <laughs> Well, there you go. Gives you that better type comparison, we can say, right? More explicit type comparison instead of Mm -hmm. basically would be like, I mean, that would be like fail in a try catch normally or something. Yeah. So there's basically like no downsides to either of these things. I think with, I guess, the exception of 
if you needed to have duplicates for some reason in an array, you would not want to use mm-hmm. a set because it would just auto not let you put a duplicate in. Yeah. I mean, arrays are nice for tracking garbage collection, right? Or something like say that people are trying to like throw away some stuff and you want to be able to collect any of that. And then you could look at how many, you know, nulls have got tossed in here, how many right. strings called first are in here or something else. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, aside from those cases, I would like to challenge everyone listening to use these things more because I feel like I never see these in code I'm working on. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they would be so much nicer if we used them. Maybe if you created a uh, React hook that uses Ooh. them by default. It actually goes through and like just finds all of your arrays and wraps them in sets. And like yeah. then you never have to even think about it. <laughs> yeah. This is finally a use for a hook that maybe you'd get down with. I mean, we're not going to go into hooks right now, but uh, just as a quick note, I've been using composables in Vue 3, and they're basically the same thing, and they're not terrible. I feel like the people I've seen use them in React are like way more verbose about it, and you have like 15 use effects or something, and I'm just like, I don't know, this is gross. Mm. But um, what I've done in Vue so far has been more logical than that. It's People that were old school React devs and then had to change from class to functional components and then had to figure out how to replicate what they know about lifecycle methods, then had to like, okay, I've got one use effect that has no trackable. And so it runs on first mount or something like that. Now I need one that actually looks for state changes and makes changes then, you know, that kind of stuff. So that's really all it is. Now you're getting like three use effects that might have been able to handle and been more clearly readable in lifecycle hooks. But alas, here's where we're at. Yep. Stay tuned for the next version of React and Vue 4 and all the things where they go, this was a bad idea. Let's use classes. (laughs) Will it be as quick as 4? I mean, or will it be React 20? Go back to classes. Because they're at 18 now, I think. Yeah, I don't know when React would do it, but it seems like Vue only releases a major version if there's like a huge paradigm shift. So it was like Vue 2 was nothing with like composables Mm -hmm. and then Vue 3 uses all of that. So I would think Vue 4 would only be warranted if like the composables model went away, you know. Or they moved to islands. Yeah, I mean, I think there is a lot of work around islands there. I don't know a lot about the dynamic between like Vue itself and Nuxt. So Mm. I don't know who's doing what, but. There's a lot of stuff being worked on there. Work is done. You know where else work is done? Right here at ShipShape, folks. We can do work. Yeah. We're not recording our ad right now, though. So. (laughs) No. (laughs) I'm just practicing. I'm getting into mode. So, sure, internally, we're always, obviously, we're known for some technologies, but we're always experimenting with different things coming up or as much as we can. And uh, we're actually working on an internal proof of concept on a basically a scheduling app, like subscription and scheduling app, just to see if, uh, for one, we can easily replicate something that we may have a need for. And two, to try out some new technologies, we decided to prioritize mobile, but not write Swift and Java and whatever else. So how do we get to that? One of the uh, very well-known frameworks around that is Expo. And we're like, cool, universal apps, right? We just like write things once and we get connected into uh, the bare metal stuff like Swift and, you know, a lot of a lot of options there to get it all going instead of like a progressive web app or writing directly in native code. Turns out it's harder than you thought, (laughs) because even though 
we know what's going on in React and its associated frameworks. Doing that and the transition to React Native is actually not as straightforward as we thought. Yeah. So there are custom React components around the mobile view. And I guess that gives you probably some sugar into like getting connected to those native APIs. But if you're not familiar, then there's kind of a learning curve around it. Styling, all the paradigms around styling. I mean, a lot of our consulting recommendations are around Tailwind and using that within React Native, not as straightforward as we expected. Well, classes, just do the classes. Well, you know, React Native components don't have the same attributes as traditional HTML components. So there's that uh, learning curve as well. So those are some of the things we found so far. You can't just underscore, underscore, dangerously set HTML or whatever and force it to do what you want. Mm. <laughs> like you can in React. You know what I'm talking about? I, for, I always forget what that's called. Yeah, well, they have the other thing now that basically like, yeah, there's another direction in that now. Mm. So it's kind of like what we do in the React Shepherd wrapper that allows people to have like kind of React components, but then we just use React to like, turn it into HTML on the fly mm, in like that very explicit moment. Manually calling the render and then passing it down yep. instead of passing yeah. the components. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, I, uh, I saw some weird stuff. I haven't worked on this app much because I've been busy with other things, but I saw you guys discussing like the buttons are divs or something. Yes. And I was immediately like, why are they divs? Like, why would they not make them buttons? That makes no sense. Because button is an HTML spec and not all that stuff just isn't the same. So if you get into, well, I think like if you talk about, I don't know as much about like Swift development as Objective C, but like you essentially are bringing in a web view and then trying to do some pseudo HTML things there. But the web view can also kind of speak back and forth to the, the native code. So I just don't think you have the full arsenal of HTML mm. components. And also I don't everything's a div. Yeah, probably. Probably just compiles out to that as needed within WebView. They're not worried about semantic code in that way, but then you lose some of the like semantic attributes and and, and whatnot there. Yeah. So like when you're trying to write a test and you want to hit like click or enter or something on it, it's like I'm a div. So. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what, what attributes we get, I think you mentioned something about Aria or whatever else. I don't, I don't know if we even get that. I think it's, and how does that work in an accessibility world? No idea. Grand questions there. Yeah. Like we know how it works on the web, but for iOS, like how does it kind of latch on? And I think that model could inform testing. Yeah. I know nothing about the mobile accessibility stuff someone we talked to was doing so was that mark that was doing mobile exclusively i mean maybe some no i think he was like pivoting to some doing more mobile or something he had done web uh, i see traditionally yeah i think we should talk we should put a pin in that and talk about that in the future yeah but yeah so coming from normal SaaS development and pivoting over to a universal app and this is like I don't know, from what I hear is kind of best in class in terms of like get using that to deliver a, uh, you know, a mobile experience and a web experience all at once if you want using similar components, but not finding it to be like quite as straightforward as, and maybe, maybe there'll be traction over time. So 
and I made some assumptions and we also made assumptions on tools we could use. Well, okay, let's use the things we're familiar with. Oh, those don't work. Yeah, I would liken it to something like back in the day when everyone used Bootstrap and went all in on it. And it's like it had its own set of components and styles and things. And if you wanted to go against what they were doing, you were going to have a rough time. So it's like it's similar in that you get out of the box like, oh, I didn't write anything. And I have some nice like buttons at the bottom. It looks like a mobile app. It's kind of nice looking. It like is integrated with the native APIs. But Every time I want to build a thing in it, I've got to like really customize it because it doesn't like that, which at that point, I would wonder if maybe it's not the right choice. Like we'll still try it, but I would do like, you know, write it all in native web stuff and then wrap it in capacitor or something that can hook into those native APIs for like for this type of app you may want to do if you book some like a, a room, you might want to have it like update your calendar or something like that would probably be a native API thing with the iPhone or, or whatever mm-hmm. little things like that. Or like uh, maybe you would need to take a picture of something and like post an announcement to people. So we need like the camera, mm. but I think for those you would just like do capacitor dot give me camera or whatever, you know? And yeah, I don't know. I mean, the web has an API to the camera too. So, I mean, how does that translate over to, Oh, true. So yeah, great questions. Not sure. I mean, we are trying to do a POC. So I think that like just getting it functional and seeing is this usable? And if we want to pivot to more, you know, just decide this isn't great for us. I mean, once you get to POC point, that's fine. You can actually scrap and kind of pivot completely and say what is actually MVP and go from there. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree with that. It's sort of like if you just follow the docs, you kind of get there. One of the biggest challenges that we have is that we prioritize actual like integration or end to end testing so that we're we can ensure that like further development doesn't break critical paths. Can people log in? Can people sign up? Can people get a plan? Cool. Jest is what they're using and doing more unit testing. And I feel like it's just very very minimal in terms of like providing you any kind of like assurance that changes aren't going to break your whole app or aren't going to bring like break a critical part of your app. So I can deal with like, this is your way of doing things and, you know, it's not semantic and beautiful and whatever else, but I can get something working and I can start to release and whatever else. But like a key thing that we're, we're tripping over is this end to end test flow. There's no like way to use Cypress or anything like that. Maybe. I mean, they don't have a direct Cypress integration bit in their own docs, but Cypress might have a thing because they have a ton of stuff about how to test all kinds of different things. And so, yeah. you know, we'd totally be up for that. We tried Playwright first mm. and Playwright follows more of the page objects model. Oh, hate it. <laughs> okay. Well, then <laughs> you're looking more for those explicit like page objects in order to like trigger your, you know, your tests and assertions. So yeah, you mean tell you why I hate page objects? Sure, go for it. Yeah, just a quick aside, because so like, especially in an an Ember app, what I'm used to, you would use like a Ember test selectors, which is Mm -hmm. really just a thing that strips your test selectors out when you production release. So you can put like data test foo on an element foo that you want to be able to grab from your test. So you're like, I know what it's called, right? Yep. Then you come in and you go, all right, I want to add a page object on top of that. I'm going to call it foo button. 
and it's going to point to data test foo. Now I'm looking at the HTML. It says data test foo. I have to search where that is, find the other selector for it, and then find that name. I got to search two things instead of just finding data test foo in my test. Right. You know what I mean? Sure. So that's why I don't like them. Okay. Because it makes more work of like jumping around to find things. Interesting. A subtitle of this podcast is Robbie hates that. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. We'll talk about some things you don't hate sometimes, but then well, it's very easy to find the things you do hate. Well, I mean, page objects, like I get the reasoning that it's cool to be like mm-hmm. checkout button dot click two times or whatever. And like, oh, cool. I abstracted that out. I would rather do give me the selector of checkout button call click on it twice. I don't need sugar like mm, whatever. I see. That's true. I mean, you know, you skin a cat a few different ways, but you probably shouldn't skin a cat. I don't know. No. Yeah. That sounds terrifying. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Wait, we'll just do like a quick question. Does Robbie hate cheap t-shirts? Um, kind of. Like if you go to a conference and the t-shirt you're given is poor quality, are you upset by that? Yes. Yeah. See. Especially if it uses non, like, <laughs> we're getting down a rabbit hole here but like there's water-based ink and there's uh i guess oil-based or whatever so the oil base kind of sits on top of the shirt and you'll be familiar with those you go buy a five dollar shirt for like an event or whatever and you wash it one time and it all like cracks that's an oil-based one mm-hmm. water-based is what you want it soaks into the shirt and dyes it that color so it doesn't matter how many times you wash it it just has that kind of vintage worn look all the time and it just continues to look much better and people don't know about that and i think it's maybe a little more expensive to do water-based ink so they always do the oil-based and like you can wear the shirt like two times and you're done Mm, yeah but you know a dollar times a hundred money saved you're not wrong but i think a lot of it is just people aren't informed like you know they go to one two three give me shirts.com and that place is like yeah i print shirts here you go like, they don't ask about the best options. Right. There's a pro tip mm-hmm. for all future conference organizers. If you weren't doing that, you really should. Especially if you want. Mm-hmm. Don't you want someone wearing your shirt like five years later being like, yeah, it's still good, still comfortable. And I had a good time here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Evangelizing your event. Coming up soon, actually. Hacktoberfest. Please listen to this and make water-based ink shirts. Did you do Hacktoberfest, get a shirt, and it was crappy? Oh, I do every year because you have to submit four pull requests. So October 1st, I click, I'm done. Give me the shirt. And it goes, okay. <laughs> like, nice. I don't have to do any work because I'm already doing that many pull requests. So mm, look at you. You're a-, a little against the spirit of the event, I would say, but uh, I want my shirt. Yeah. <laughs> you want to say I got this, <laughs> but I mostly cheated and it's crappy. So I don't ever wear it. I'm doing real like open source work, but it'll be like my add-ons or like Ember stuff I was mm-hmm. going to do anyway. So it's not like I went out of my way to learn a new thing and contribute to it, which is what they're intending. Mm. Yeah. So Dependapot, that doesn't work, right? No. <laughs> They've made it more complicated because people were doing stuff like that, like putting up four garbage PRs and merging them themselves and getting the shirt. So now it has to like be audited and like approved and like the... The maintainers can say this is an invalid PR and then you don't get credit for it or whatever. And mm. so they're, they're more stringent on it now. Interesting. Well, maybe the shirt quality will go up since the volume goes down. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should sponsor it. I don't know. Do we have? We have as much money as DigitalOcean, right? Mm. We'll ask Chris Coyer. Yeah. That's true. 
He would say it's false. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he would say it's false. Yeah. Do we have enough money to buy CSS tricks? No. We do not. No. We did not. Yeah. Now or five years ago, we also yeah. still don't have that much. We'll have to talk to him about that. I wonder if he was like looking to sell it, like he wanted to focus more on CodePen, or if they went, here's the most money ever. And he was like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. You know? Well, be curious. Follow up episode. Yeah. Let's see here. We've got a little more tech that we wanted to talk about, and I think we should at least touch on it. I feel like this is going to be an evolving topic because we've just started, like, so we recently had uh, Nate, Astro contributor. Yep. Nate Dog was in the house. (laughs) Thank you for that, though. So Nate was on talking about Astro One. We've been interested in Astro for a while. Robbie's been dabbling in into Astro. We are looking to pivot our site into Astro because it just makes a lot of sense as a a static site for the most part. We're looking to see how many sentences Chuck can say and end with the word Astro. Astro, Astro, Astro. (laughs) You just had several in a row there. Three, at least. And so it's something that we're interested in. And we like the ability to swap out view layers and do a few different things there. I personally have been interested in Solid for a little while. There's been a lot of... uh, back and forth discussion on Twitter between like some of the solid uh, creators and contributors and you creators and just Mm -hmm. things going on there. And solid has been around for a little while, but I think it's getting a lot of traction there. And I guess they're working on a partnership with Astro, although Astro will work with other things, Mm -hmm. which sounds great. So it's sort of like, Mm -hmm. let's look at this thing and let's sort of choose our own adventure, but with a guided path. Yeah. And what can you say about that? Oh, sure. Well, first about solid, I was trying to, you know, we were all in on Astro. We love the idea of being able to use whatever view layer we want. We love the idea of shipping less JavaScript. We love the idea of making it like native web style. Like we're going to have multiple pages the way it's intended. It's going to have real HTML without a bunch of crazy, like I need a link component and I need an image component. Although we do use our image component because it does some uh, optimizations. (laughs) That's neither here nor there. Behind the scenes, that image component just kind of compiles to HTML, though. So it's not doing anything all that fancy. It's just like converts your images to WebP. So we like Astro. Solid's website is not great looking. (laughs) That's my critique. So I think their technology is good. The interest is there. They have. uh, I was comparing them and Lit because I have heard about both recently. And I didn't really know anything about either. So... Lit is class-based, which I was already going to be drawn to. And it ships web components, which I love. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of nice things. And their website looks nice, etc. It has less interest in stars on GitHub, though. So, like, people don't love it. Probably because it's class-based. Yeah, probably. <laughs> that being said, Solid, I think, is solid from a technical perspective. Like, they're, I would love to help them make their website look a little bit better. But we'll find out a lot more about the tech behind it on the next episode when we talk to someone from the Solid team. But I tried it out. Of course, it's JSX, but so is like Astro is like, I would call them like subsets of JSX. I don't know that either of them say they like do everything JSX does, but it's JSX like. Okay. So you're going to do like a bracket map your HTML kind of thing instead of like a syntax that makes sense and is logical to people. (laughs) (laughs) But that being said, um, the thing that I read that was different about solid is solid does, it doesn't have like virtual Dom or shadow Dom or insert your hot new word here, Dom. It's like, it uses normal Dom. Like there's just Dom. (laughs) I just change it when like the data changes, like 
cool. So the cool thing about Astro is you can put any of these frameworks, like they have support for a lot of different types, Vue and Preact, React, Svelte. If it's a hot thing that someone has mentioned recently, they've got it. So mm-hmm. that's cool. And Solid, we needed, well, we didn't need, we needed a framework for the contact form component so far. There'll probably be some more that we need, you know, occasional thing here or there for our website, but the need was like, it's a form and it needs to have form validation. It needs to do like recap just stuff, you know, a few JavaScripty things. So you can't ship no JavaScript and have that thing work. So rather than shove in a ton of vanilla JavaScript in a script tag, I'm like, let's try solid out. And it actually has some cool stuff. It's very much the same. I mean, I haven't really done React, as we all know, but <laughs> it is very React-like. Like you do a use form to create a form and you do like that form dot like submit form calls your submit function. And then like it has just like a validate or like use forms has a validate like colon validate or something you put on the I forget the syntax so I just play with it for like an hour but basically it has built-in validators for if your um, form type or your uh, field type is like email it knows there needs to be an add in there if it's like a required field it's like this is must be filled in like you get some of that from just the browser too I think there's like you know those little unstyled pop-ups that are like this is required or whatever yeah but this was like all built in It, it gave examples of like make this other component in line where you're just like this component equals this function that returns like HTML and you would put like your error message in that. So it would like show those under everything. It seems pretty nice. Like I think it's not all that dissimilar in a developer experience perspective from React. So I would like to hear more from someone who knows more about it, which we will next week about, you know, what the actual use cases are and and where it shines compared to competitors. But I think for people that like React and want something that's not React, just because React is super old and why would you want to use React anymore? Um, you could try Solid out. React is fine. It gets the job done. Well, as you know, I shared a recent article about like why React may be aging and may not be the best choice for your project, right? Mm-hmm. And hireability, just take that out of the equation because it tends to be a great argument is it's easy to put React down and then get a lot of applicants. Yeah. It's also easy to require basic addition, <laughs> but we don't put that on like, you know. No, no. Let me debunk that argument. <laughs> so React on its own, because like React doesn't even give you an application necessarily. It's Mm-mm. pretty tough to say this thing gives you an app. It doesn't. You've got to do a lot of extra things, even create React app. Guess what? Adds other packages like React Router that they didn't make. And that's, you know, going to get you towards an app. But I feel like one of the things that resonated with me was React isn't necessarily the best framework or the best library. I think it said explicitly, like, React isn't necessarily the best choice. It's just the best marketed. It said the only thing React is good at is being popular was the exact right. words. And I love that. <laughs> it's the absolute vodka of the JavaScript yeah. world. Yeah. Yeah. Because absolute vodka. I don't know if you've ever had that. Like, I'm not really a vodka person. I mean, back in the day, I drank a bit more of that. But uh, vodka, essentially, good vodka tastes like nothing. Mm-hmm. Tastes like whatever you put it in, right? Mm-hmm. And absolute tastes like absolute garbage. <laughs> but it's very well marketed. Mm-hmm. It costs more. They put it in a glass bottle. They have some cooler pictures in magazines. 
But I mean, it's like maybe five times better than like Popov garbage, like yeah. plastic bottle vodka. Yeah. And that's not much to say for its cost. It's not Ciroc. No. Diddy does not endorse. I never had that. But, uh, you know, it's not even like Stoli. And Stoli's like $18 a bottle or something. Or was when yeah. I would buy vodka in any time. I agree. That's my comparison. Continuing down that whatnot, Ciroc is made from grapes. I don't know if you knew that. Didn't. And their only advertising thing, like, I haven't looked at their website in years. But I, when I had first heard of it, I went and looked. And they're like, imagine putting like a fistful of grains in your mouth. Now imagine eating some grapes, which is better, Ciroc. Like, <laughs> you know, just saying like that theirs was better quality from what it was made from. And it's actually pretty, like, I like Ciroc. It's pretty good. I guess. Does it taste like grapes? No. In any way? It's all distilled out, but. Yeah, it's just like we found a way to turn sugars into alcohol and then we filtered out as much flavor as possible. Mm -hmm. So good for them, I guess, for filtering out enough to make it decent. Yeah. They probably made a really bad wine and were like, how can we save this? And just like made it into. <laughs> yeah, that was the pivot. Diddy was like, I know we're going to make vodka. That's my Diddy impression. <laughs> I think Diddy came after it was after it was established, but I don't know for sure. He had nothing to do with the creation. <laughs> no, I didn't know if he had like a Ryan Reynolds kind of model there where, you know, he invested early on, maybe like tried things and was like, yes, I'm not sure. Oh, well, possible. It's possible. Speaking of Ryan Reynolds, one of the shows I've been watching recently is Welcome to Wrexham, available on FX or Hulu, mm. depending on how you get your entertainment. In both ad-supported and ad-free versions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I go ad-supported. It's garbage, right? But I just do it as part of like the Disney Plus bundle. So it costs me like nothing, basically. But it is annoying if you pay for Hulu and you still get commercials. You're like, mm-hmm. It feels like I remember when cable started doing that. And it's the same problem. It's just like, oh, I pay for cable because it doesn't have commercials. And then over time, like 10 years later, it's just as much and just as many commercials. Yeah. I mean, we're going to go back to just cable because everything is going to be such separate apps that if you can get anything that just gives you all the channels, people will be like, please give me that. I don't want like 52 apps on my phone. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, my Roku has about like six apps that we rotate through depending on what we want to see. And then what's our cumulative there? We're not we're, we're not a la carding anything anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I guess the only thing that is good about it is that it's cross device, right? Oh, we're on the road. I'm going to watch on my iPad or. Yeah. You can also download them like to watch on a plane, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But I wonder, will it still download commercials if you do? I don't know that I've downloaded anything from them. I don't think I've downloaded anything that is commercial supported in that way. So like I'll go on to HBO Max and download right, some right. stuff or whatever. But I don't think I've, yeah, I've done Netflix and they didn't have commercials, but I haven't done a, a Hulu one. Yeah, I don't think I have either. And I've watched a few Hulu shows. But so anyway, Wrexham, the premise is two rich Hollywood guys go by a Welsh club that was it's the oldest club in English football, I think, or whatever. But they're like down in the fifth tier now and they have the oldest operating stadium or something, too. Mm. So, yeah, they're not doing well. These guys come in, buy them out, bring a bunch of fanfare around it and see what happens. Like, does the money make any difference? Does TikTok as a sponsor now? And they're doing like some commercials and stuff. So Ryan Reynolds got a bunch of money from selling off his aviation gin brand. He gets money from everything. He just prints money. Yeah. I think he has just a printer going in his basement. 
And Blake is just turning it, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, we need some more. Let's do it. Every so often she takes a break and has someone else do it. And she like films a movie and then goes back and takes back over. Gets back to yeah. printing their money. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. The OC is still paying. I don't know what she did <laughs> since then. So I don't know. I mean, she'll occasionally be in a movie and I'm like, oh, cool. That's something I'm not going to watch. But like, glad you got paid for that. Yeah. A little something extra. And you guys needed, you know, maybe a, yeah. a place in Montana for a week or two. But Ryan Reynolds like owns everything, is in every movie. Like he puts out so many movies. It's crazy. Yeah, he's been in a bunch of movies. I think he started like marketing companies. He does angel investing yeah. stuff too. Like he owns Mint Mobile. Ashton Kutcher. Oh yeah. Is he own that or is he just like a sub like an investor? I think he owns it. He had enough money to I think buy it out. Mm. Cool. I don't have that. So but good for him. Yeah. No, I, I love like his marketing approach. Like he he um their recent commercials were like, yeah, inflation's a thing. Everyone's raising their prices. We're going to cut ours in half. Wow. Like, you know, they're just saying like companies don't need to be raising their rates right now because like they're making yeah billions of dollars already. Yeah. And they're betting on the volume game too. They're like, cool. Yeah. If we just have more of you, we're fine. Yeah. Our capacity is fine. The problem is none of these smaller players have their own infrastructure. So if you you know, really kill one of the big players hard enough and you're like using Verizon's network or something, they're going to be like, you know what? I don't want to give you guys good service. Like we're going to really prioritize Verizon customers and your service is going to suck. It might. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I'm sure there's times where there's like service contracts and stuff where they can start to play that game. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But yeah, I love that like the Welsh town, Wrexham, they have a song already about them and it's like about you know, Deadpool and then Rob McElhaney or whatever his name is. Like he's on uh, It's Always Sunny and he's all one of the creators and writers also. Mm. So that's kind of his thing. And he kind of drove this project and got Ryan involved because he needed more money. And so they didn't even know each other before they got involved in this thing too, <laughs> which I thought was interesting. I thought it was like, oh, it's friends buying a yeah. sports team. Okay, interesting. No, he just brought him in. Just extra investors. And so the thing is about Deadpool and then this guy and then also at matches initially now. Now they're like going through their first season and there's people that will dress up as Deadpool. (laughs) So essentially they're like, yeah, Deadpool bought us and he's only known as that. Like you forget he was also the Green Lantern. Come on. It's not his first superhero. Yeah. He was a a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, two guys, a girl and a pizza place. And then I think it just came two guys and a girl eventually or something. That show that he got famous on originally. Yeah, I don't know. Famous, that famous. I just know that like out of the 20 movies that they'll be marketing at any given time, like one of those always has Ryan Reynolds. Like you're, you're just seeing <laughs> random commercials and it's like Ryan Reynolds in like Detective Pikachu or, or whatever it was. <laughs> I'm like, uh Okay. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I didn't see that. I saw part of like Good Guy or what was it? Like, I don't know. There was one where he's like a video game. Free Guy? Free Guy. That was it. That one was really good. Yeah. I watched part of it on a plane ride and then never got to like finish it on another plane ride. So kind of where those start and die for me. Yeah. Not interested enough to pick it back up. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I'll watch Deadpool. I'll seek that out. Yeah. I don't care about Free Guy. Yeah. Deadpool was really good. Yeah. What about you? Are you watching any shows? I finished uh, Old Man. Oh, yeah. Have you watched all of them? Yes. Should we spoil it for everyone else? It's crazy. (laughs) It's just crazy because it's like 70-year-old Jeff Bridges, and you're like, what? And then he's 
like some incredible assassin. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I won't, won't do actual spoilers, but I like, you know, the first episode, he's like, they show him getting out of bed like five times to pee at night, like, you know, really highlighting how old he is. And then he just like destroys <laughs> everyone. He like turns it on as soon as he like needs it and just yeah is a badass. Yeah. So that's, I think that one flies under the radar. Mm-hmm. It was very good. And, uh, I watched like episode seven, the last one, and then was like, wait, where's episode eight? Like it didn't have a, a clean ending to where like I thought the season would be over. And I was like, oh, maybe they're doing like half a season. And they'll like release the other half later. Like some people sometimes do or whatever. Nope. Yeah. It's just done. Like you got to wait for the next season. I'm like, these guys are old. Like how many seasons can they possibly make of this? Like they better have already started recording them all. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Hopefully you already signed up. Yeah. Yeah, That's a good point. I didn't consider it. They renewed it after episode three is what I read. And uh, so I don't know if they've already started recording it or not, but um, Jeff Bridges like created the show, I guess. That was like his idea. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, so hopefully he's around or it's not going to. It's not going to happen. Yeah. It wouldn't work without him. No. That's pretty crazy. All right. So let's talk about why you don't like any car, yet you're still, (laughs) you're still like insistent on buying old cars, which are more finicky. You've got to like, you know, well, just be like, yeah, this is just a nuance of the car. Yeah. I, um, I don't know. I think I like collecting things Hmm. and like experiencing new, different cars. So I have like the old truck now and I like like the look of it. I like some things about it. I don't like the way it drives. So like I want a more redone version and like I want to have a back seat, like make it family friendly. And it would be just like a, you know, on Sundays, drive down to brunch kind of car or whatever, like mm-hmm. something fun for the family, but not like I'm not gonna drive it on the interstate or anything, you know, super unsafe because it's an old car, right? I mean, I've taken old cars onto the interstate, so. You can, but I'm not going to. Yeah, and you're interested more in, like, the off-roady, like, lifted, like, you know, give it a few challenges, but don't take it over 55. Well, I don't necessarily even want to go off-roading. I just like those type of vehicles. So I would even do, like, stock ride height. I don't need it to be, like, raised. I don't know. Anything that's, like, got that from-the-war old jeep look i guess is like kind of the thing it's just boxy it's just there's something cool about it like they don't make anything like that anymore i don't know have you seen those new broncos they're not that boxy i mean i like the new broncos but they're but not boxy enough yeah i think if you made like new material cars that boxy it would look weird so they wouldn't be Hmm. able to like it looks right in sheet metal but it wouldn't in like plastic you know yeah fiberglass or whatever the mixed yeah what about like an old, like not that old, but original H1? Is it just too big? I was never a Hummer guy. I think they're, um, mm. maybe it's just the the stigma that comes along with Hummers, but like I've always thought they were obnoxious. Like not that I hated the look, just that like, oh, that guy must be a dick, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that guy does a lot of bench pressing, but no squats. Ooh. That kind of thing. I mean, that's me. Maybe I should get a Hummer. Well, now we figured <laughs> it out. Yeah, I kind of like the Hummer EVs. Okay, I don't know that I like it enough to want to buy one, but like, I think it looks different enough from the original Hummer that it's like, oh, this is kind of like modern and nice looking. So there's some proving grounds out here. So I actually have seen one on the highway, and I was like, oh no, mm, no, I didn't, no, I didn't care for it. That was a kind of a weird monster. 
especially in like the EV space, you're like, oh, electric. We're very efficient. Look at this giant thing. Mm, that's true. We must need 400 batteries to move this thing. And that's why it's yeah. $200,000. You pull a trailer of batteries behind you so that you can keep going. <laughs> yeah. For this General Motors product, like, I don't know, the whole thing just kind of doesn't work for me. Yeah. It's an interesting concept, but I think it's a swing and a miss. Yeah. My dad pre-ordered the, uh, what do you call it? I guess it's a Silverado. Yeah. Like the Chevy truck. Their answer to the Lightning, right? Yeah. F-150 Lightning. They have the Silverado. Because it's very similar to the old Avalanches, like in looks. Hmm. And we used to have an Avalanche. It was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, because it kind of changes, right? Like you can change some aspects of it. Yeah, like you can take the back window out and fold the seats down and make it like a big open truck. Or you can like really prioritize comfy seating and like, you know, it can be kind of either or. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It's almost like those like. 70s Broncos or whatever, where you just pop the lid off and it was mm -hmm. just kind of like an open truck. Yeah. Kind of like that. Not as much open, but yeah. And then it also has like built in um, covers for the bed. So like it was in sections. So if you needed to have like one tall thing, you could take one section of the cover off and like put it there. Mm. I don't know. It was, it was cool. I thought maybe I just thought it was cool because it was like when I was learning to drive and stuff and I was like, oh, I like this, but. Maybe it isn't as cool yeah. as I actually think. Maybe instead of uh, getting an old Bronco, you should just get a Chevy Avalanche. Hmm. I could just get like 16 of them and, and save some money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and still save money. Exactly. <laughs> it's a niche that you've not dove into in terms of old cars. I don't know. That's going to be what people get now. Yeah. Chevy Avalanche conversions. Mm -hmm. Totally. Coming to bring a trailer. Good luck with that. Yeah. All right. Well, we're over time. I will reiterate, we have an NFT that has been dropped. Go to bitski, B-I-T-S-K-I dot com slash ship shape code and buy some of those NFTs and we will see you in Discord when you do so. Boom, 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 boom. Thanks for listening to Whiskey Web and Whatnot. This podcast is brought to you by ShipShape and produced by Podcast Royale. If you like this episode, consider sharing it with a friend or two and leave us a rating, maybe a review, as long as it's good. You can subscribe to future episodes on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more info about ShipShape and this show, check out our website at shipshape.io.